Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft podcast, and it is presented by FantasyPoints.com. Use code FEAST, all caps at Fantasy Points, to go ahead and go against me and Joe Dolan on the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. You can go against us in a best ball 10. Absolutely love it. But you have to sign up at FantasyPoints.com. You have to use the code FEAST. And then you have to send it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com, and say, Ross, I want to take you down. I want to take you down to Chinatown. My friend, he is Matt Waldman, the absolute rock star from the rookie scouting portfolio. Highly encourage you to follow him on Twitter at Matt Waldman or check out MattWaldmanRSP.com. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. You can check me out at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You can also Follow along with this show and every other show when they're posted and fresh new content that we are posting at Ross Tucker pod is the handle on both Twitter and Instagram. Really encourage you to get on both of those bad boys. Um, speaking of encouraging, I mentioned this last week. I've mentioned this on all the other shows now. I, I, I'm just so excited to be a DraftKings guy. You already know all about DFS and DraftKings. They're the best, right? They also now have America's top-rated sportsbook app. That's right. DraftKings has brought their expertise to legal sports betting. It's a legitimate sportsbook based right here in the U.S. So you can rest assured that your funds are totally secure. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use co code ROSS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter code ROSS when you sign up. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. In New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match. Each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 
1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, the Arizona Cardinals, Matt, took Isaiah Simmons in the first round. We know all about that. Their next pick was in the third round, and they took Josh Jones, an offensive tackle from Houston, who had been getting a bunch of first-round buzz. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's an athletic guy who, you know, certainly has the length that you're looking for. You know, he's got, you know, quick feet. He's someone that can get up to that second level well. It's just a matter of him refining some techniques and becoming a little bit more consistent. But I think that he's going to start right away. Fourth round, they had two picks. Lecky Fotu, a D-tackle from Utah, and Rashard Lawrence, another D-tackle, this one from LSU. Yeah, Fotu's a, a really solid player. I mean, this is a guy that, um, you know, really strong, good leverage, someone who can get a push and get penetration, um, someone that can handle double teams. And, and I think that, again, he's also a guy that we're going to see show up on the field immediately. And then when you look at a guy like Lawrence, this is a, a really tough football player who is, you know, may not have the great length that you're looking for um, inside, but he's someone that he has good leverage. He has a really strong punch and he's someone that you know while not very quick he he's someone that he he's someone that can kind of move blockers to outside into the backfield and then work back inside off of their hips so you know he's he's not the top end athlete um, but he's a guy that that I think overall you're going to see him compete well and he's going to be able to you know work inside um, and, and really anchor and help out other teammates be able to get to the football. Last two picks, a couple of big-name Pac-12 guys. Always interesting when guys that were such good college players go get drafted later. Sixth round, Evan Weaver, the linebacker from Cal. Seventh round, Eno Benjamin, the running back from Arizona State. These might be two of the best fifth and sixth round picks that I've seen in the draft this year. Um, you know, I look at Weaver and he may not be your top end athlete, but in terms of his toughness, in terms of the intensity he plays and the intelligence in which he plays, it, you know, he's a guy that could wind up being a starter in this league. He's one of those guys that um, he's going to be where he's supposed to be. He, he, he's excellent at dropping into coverage and, and really reading the quarterback and understanding where the passing lanes are. Um, you know, he's a good sideline to sideline mover, despite maybe not having the time speed that you're looking for. Good tackler. I think Cal's coaches raved about him for a while. And, and I would not be shocked at all if he becomes a second contract starter, um, you know, in this league, if not fulfilling it with, behind Jordan Hicks. Um, you know, at some point if Hicks becomes too rich for, um, the Cardinals blood and then, you know, Benjamin, I mean, <laughs> this, this guy is this guy to me, I've kind of joked that if, uh, you know, if LaShawn McCoy, his style of player was 100 proof, then, you know, you know, Benjamin's like 98 proof LaShawn McCoy. He's a guy who's really twitchy, great lateral skills, creative catches the ball well out of the backfield great cutting ability, but he also has terrific contact balance. I think he fits extremely well in the system. And if they hadn't signed a, a guy like Jonathan Ward, also out of central Michigan as a UDFA, um, this backfield wouldn't be quite as crowded for that third you know, or fourth spot. But I respect Benjamin to actually make 
the active roster this year and be a guy that could compete with Chase Edmonds for playing time. Um, you, you know, the, the, the biggest issue with him was that last year he fumbled the ball a ton after rarely fumbling the ball at all um, for the you know first couple of years of his career. So um, I, I, I'm interested in both of these guys developing and seeing them develop into contributors at the very least. The next team up is the L.A. Rams. They took a couple of skill guys in the second round, Matt. Cam Akers, the running back from Florida State, and Van Jefferson, the wide receiver from Florida. Yeah, and this is – Cam Akers kind of marks an interesting departure from where they were um, as, a, as an offense. And, you know, Todd Gurley leading the way, and they drafted Darrell Henderson, who is a really fast, you know, explosive guy that they still think has a lot of promise – but he was more of a gap runner. And then the, the Rams played a lot of outside zone until the Steelers game. And midway through the Steelers game, they finally, finally adjusted. You would think they would have adjusted in the second half against, you know, against the Patriots the year before in the Super Bowl. But, you know, or maybe even before that when, you know, the Lions got their number down the stretch. But they didn't do that. And, and you know, now they've kind of gone to being a – they went to being more of a gap-oriented team and Akers is a gap-oriented runner. And I think that you're going to see more two tight end sets out of them. You're going to see the, the, the back like Akers who can catch the ball really well out of the backfield, um, who has the strength and the contact balance to, and the speed to be a big play guy. Akers and Henderson will probably be um, committee backs with Malcolm Brown sprinkled in there in between. Um, but Akers is the guy that I think has the most promise as – both a receiver and a blocker. He's a heck of a blocker. So I think as long as he can fit with what they do schematically, and I think it is going to be gap, he's going to figure prominently. Jefferson, I mean, we know of him as being one of the best route runners of the class, son of the the Jets wide receiver coach and former Patriot and um, Charger and Lion, Sean Jefferson. Um, you know, he can catch the ball well. He's going to probably be a guy that's, I've kind of compared to as a mix between Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, and there you are in Rams country, basically being drafted by them, and he's probably going to play out outside and inside. His hand position can get a little wonky. You know, he's worked on his route so well that you'd like to see him work with the jugs machine a little bit more, get his hands in the right position at times where balls are at the belt or above, and he he can get mixed up at times and cause him to have adventures trying to catch um, targets in tight coverage. And when he faces, on occasion, those really patient cover corners, man-to-man who will get physical um, later but not fall for the first move or two, um, he can get wrapped up or tied up a little bit. So he's going to have to – we're going to have to see what he does against, you know, more conceptually sound guys where he's challenged more often. Um, and I think, I think he'll work through that, but he may – those are things that may trip him up early. In the third round, they took a couple of Terrells. Terrell Lewis, the linebacker from Alabama. Terrell Burgess, another safety from Utah. There was like 25 Utah defensive players drafted in this draft. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a terrific defense for the past few years. And, and Terrell Lewis is a terrific player. I mean, um, you know, out of, out of Alabama. But this is a guy who had a serious ACL tear. Um, but he has great athletic ability. You know, he makes, you know, the makes good drops in man to man coverage, blitzes the edge. Well, he's going to have to work on his speed to power, but he has the strength to do it. 
as the tech and his technique at the point of attack are going to have to get a little bit better, but he should develop. This is a guy who should make a significant jump in the NFL if he can stay healthy. And he could become a player who's mentioned in the same breath as Chase Young. He has that kind of athletic ability. So if he can convert what he needs to convert and get a little more experience, he might be that guy that makes that huge leap in the way that, say, Daniel Hunter did with LSU with the Vikings. Um, Burgess has quick burst recognition for a safety. You know, he tackles well. He can flip his hips and cover well. He's not really big or strong, lacks some length for, for the position, um, but he has good awareness and, you know, and slot coverage responsibilities and reading the field. He should impact special teams right away, and, and I think that he can be a safety in nickel looks. Then in the fourth round, they took Bryson Hopkins, a tight end from Purdue, and in the sixth round, Jordan Fuller, a safety from Ohio State, a couple of Big Ten guys. Yeah, and Hopkins is that type of guy that I think will be contributing somewhere by his second contract. Maybe not with the Rams. Depends on what they do with Gerald Everett. And he's a guy that could probably replace Everett because he's he has you know he's quick um, to win up the seam. He has very nice acceleration and initial change of direction speed. Um, he shows some skill to drop his weight into breaks that can be refined. Um, he, he makes a lot of difficult catches away from his frame and adjusting to the ball, but at the same time, he's a guy that's had a lot of drops. So they're more concentration oriented. Um, and those drops and the fact that he's more specialized as a move tight end, but not a big move tight end is probably why he dropped a fair bit in the draft, but he has potential as a blocker. His dad was, you know, or, you know, was the Tennessee Titans stalwart, um, you know, tackle for a long time during the, um, you know, Jeff Fisher, Steve McNair, you know, Javon Kerr, Samari Roll era, um, you know, and, and you can see that he has some pretty good fundamentals. It's just, you know, he's not a big guy, but, you know, he's an interesting player within the next two to three years. Jordan Fuller, listen, you know, he's a, he's a guy who's physical, tackles well. He should help on special teams. He's likely going to be a backup at best for this defense, though he takes some really bad angles, and he's a little tight-hipped, which can make him slow in and out of receiver breaks. So he has a specialty, um, and if he can play at his best of that specialty, um, I think he'll have a career. The last couple picks, they were all seventh-rounders. They took Clay Jackson, the linebacker from Baylor. We're not going to get into the kicker from Miami, Ohio, and Tremaine Ancrum a guard from Clemson. Yeah, Johnson, you know, he's a hard-hitting linebacker. He leads, you know, with his head up, delivers hits and wraps. You know, he's a good tackler. Um, he forces runners inside the run game. He can hit creases fast. Um, he doesn't have great recovery speed, um, but he can hold up against at the point of attack against um, interior linemen, and he has some pursuit range, um, you know, to the numbers from inside the box. Um, he's just going to have to be a guy that I, I think that, you know, for him, he, he's a guy who buzzes well to the flat, reads quickly. He might have an opportunity to develop into a contributor inside. And I think that's what they're counting on there. Um, you know, with Ankrum, he's a guard who played tackle or he's a tackle who's going to be playing guard basically in the NFL. He's six two, very smooth. He, he, you know, he's very good at, working to his spot, say, in slide protection, 
um, and he works well to the second level. He just needs to get stronger. Um, but overall, this is an interesting draft for the Rams. Let's get to the Seahawks. Second and third round picks. Remember in the first round, they took Jordan Brooks, the linebacker from Texas Tech that you and I talked about. Second and third round picks. Uh, Daryl Taylor, the DN from Tennessee, and Damian Lewis, the guard from LSU. Yeah, and Taylor, listen, I mean, you know, this is an explosive guy. I mean, great first step, really strong hands. Um, but, you know, there's some things that he's got to work on, and they probably project him for that that Leo outside linebacker defensive end role that they were using that 4-3 defense of Pete Carroll's. Um, he's going to have to develop techniques to get, and, and he's going to have to show a little more conceptual feel for how he reads the backfield and reads what's happening at the line of scrimmage. He can play a little too upright, um, and, you know, that might be a product of that lack of recognition that he has. Um, and his hand ru- usage and, and rush moves need work, but the athletic skills are there for him to be a starter and a good one. Um, he's a powerful guard. You know, Damon Lewis is more of a powerful guard. He uses his feet and hips well. Um, he can get a push. He plays with intensity and physicality. Um, he has an excellent anchor to work against big men. Uh, he just doesn't have a lot of lateral skill. Um, his feet can get a little too wide um, as a pass protector, and he has to show a little more awareness in these situations, and he'll give up his chest a little too easily. But as a, you know, I think he projects pretty well to be um, a contributor or, or a starter um, for the Seahawks down the line. Two fourth-round picks, Colby Parkinson, the tight end from Stanford, and DJ Dallas, the running back from Miami. Yeah, you know, Parkinson, many of them are going to see him as a top prospect um, due to his size and athletic ability. I mean, he's a 6'7 player, um, and he certainly can make some sudden turns and breaks and work back to the ball. Um, but he he's the type of guy, though, that when you look at his route running, he needs to develop a little bit more. I mean, he prefers to earn contact at the top of his stem and kind of push off. Um, he drops his weight in the hard breaks, but, you know, he's not – sudden with it all the time um you know and and so you know kind of more of those speed breaks he's better at than the hard ones um he extends his arms to attack the ball pretty well and he can take a hit um but he you know as a blocker you know he's effective as a stock blocker he's competent at the line in terms of certain you know certain types of blocks but can overset his position on the perimeter um, and he has some difficulty anchoring against larger defenders, and, and that leverage is tough for him to attain with that, that height. Um, but that lack of suddenness and his willingness to, or his difficulty being able to earn position despite his height are issues for his game. Maybe being able to work behind a guy like Greg Olson um, and get a chance to, to learn from one of the better tight ends of this generation um, in terms, you know, is a, is going to be a positive for him. And then DJ Dallas, you know, he's kind of at times great and terrible as a pass protector. Like he's a guy that gives great effort, very intense, um, but he can be all or nothing in terms of how he plays. He's shored that up a little bit as the season went along, but he's the type of guy that can kind of drop his head and not see what he's hitting or, you know, play out of position, but he can catch the ball has some special team skills as a return man, and he can play physical. He's not a quick twitch type of guy. He doesn't have great long speed. Um, he kind of plays at one speed. Um, but for Seattle and its run game, I think he can be, um, you know, a contributor and maybe a guy that they can 
they look at Travis Homer, they look at, you know, some of their bigger backs like Carlos Hyde, who they brought in, and maybe they'll hope that Dallas can consolidate some of the roles in this backfield so that they can have more roster spots for other positions. Um, but I think that this year he's still going to have some things to learn. So that consolidation might not be this year. The last three picks they had, Alton Robinson, a DN from Syracuse, Freddie Swain, a wide receiver from Florida. Everybody that goes to Florida gets drafted. It's like a rule. And then um, <laughs> Stephen Sullivan, the tight end from LSU. Literally everybody from LSU gets drafted. It is a rule. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And and Robinson is probably the most intriguing of the three. Robinson's an edge rusher with a really quick first step. He uses his hands well in in, in conjunction with his feet and eyes. He just has to show a little more violence with his hands. He's going to have to develop more plans against different rushing situation, pass rushing situations. So he's got some refinement, but the basic skills are there for him to become a contributor. I think he'll make the roster, the active roster this year. Swain is a, you know, he's one of those space players who, who, you know, you, you throw the swing pass, you throw the pass up the seam or throw, you know, target him in crossing routes. He has skill after the catch. He has that deep speed. Maybe they see him as a potent, you know, kind of fitting that old Javon curse type of developmental role where in a couple of years, he might become a more complete route runner, but I think his best shot of making this team or active roster will come in special teams, either in coverage or maybe the return game. Sullivan's intriguing, um, but he's an interesting guy because, you know, he came to LSU as kind of a six, five, six, six receiver who they advertise as being six, seven, and they wanted to make him a tight end. And he resisted pretty much throughout his entire career. Didn't really want to be a tight end, but he's slow. He's for a receiver. He's slow. He's not very sudden. Um, doesn't have great change of direction, quickness. Um, and, you're wondering why he resisted playing tight end. Of course, they had like Foster Moreau and they brought in Thad Moss. And for that, they had some guys. He went to the senior bowl and he looked like a different player when they put him at tight end. I mean, he looked for, for, you know, he looked like he was finally figuring out that's what he needed to play. And you saw the quickness, you saw the short area skills, you saw some work, the line of scrimmage where he could really win against linebackers and safeties. And apparently he came back to LSU and said, I finally understand why you were asking me to do this. Um, better late than never, I suppose. And I think the Seahawks are hoping the same thing. Finally, we get to the San Francisco 49ers. We already talked about Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk in the first round. Then they just had three late-round guys. Colton McKivitz, a tackle from West Virginia. Charlie Werner, a tight end from Georgia. And Jawan Jennings, a wide receiver from Tennessee in the seventh round that I feel like a lot of people talked about. He got a lot of he got a lot of conversation about Jennings for some reason. Yes, absolutely. You know, we'll definitely get to him in a second. You know, McKivitz, you know, he played left and right right tackle, really intense football player, you know, finishes strong. He plays physical. You know, he's a tough dude who, you know, the the the, the cliche plays through the echo of the whistle. That's that guy. You know, um, he can reach the second level um, in terms of his assignments in the run game. And he's a strong puncher who doesn't, you know, drop his hips well enough to anchor at this point. So he's going to have to, you know, work on that. But I think he can start one day and at least be a swing player who can play, you know, who can play in the league as a swing player. Um, 
in terms of Warner, he catches the ball well, and he can work up the seam when you use play action or any type of um, longer developing play. But he's not a quick twitch matchup advantage athlete. Um, you know, he could be that second or third tight end to help edge block, and, um, work into the flats, and and maybe you know sneak behind the defense, and and he'll get some opportunities on special team. And Jennings. Jennings is an interesting guy because, you know, like you said, a lot of talk about him. He led the, he, I think he led the NCAA in yards after um, the catch, you know, as a receiver, he's a former quarterback who came in right away. They used him as a receiver and he just showed a lot of skill to go up and win the ball, make tough plays, take contact, like win after the catch. You know, he's very good at transitioning downhill his biggest, and he's a great blocker. I mean, he might be the best run blocking wide receiver I saw in this class. Um, you know, and guys like CD Lamb were pretty darn good. Um, Jennings is a guy that I've seen him, you know, work outside and really handle tackles well, like get chest to chest with them and turn them and and be able to stay with them and use good technique. And and then you know, his biggest flaw has been that. He's not extremely fast, so he doesn't really win well up the seam or, you know, on the perimeter um, on, on go routes. He's more of a guy that works inside out, um, and you're going to need to use him more as a big slot player. But in order for him to do that, he's going to need to work on his hands. He's the type of guy that, you know, he has some flaws where the ball's at chest level to helmet level, will sometimes not use his hands in the right position and end up making untimely drops that can cost him in pivotal situations where they targeted him. And, and he, just as often as he's won games for Tennessee, he's contributed to plays that put them in a, in a hole. Um, so if he can develop that, you know, he has a fighting chance for a team, but I don't think it's going to be the 49ers. I think he's going to have to bounce somewhere else because they have a pretty rich draft um, depth chart with, uh, in terms of young players. And, and, you know, as a result of that, unless they get rid of a couple of those young guys, maybe a Dante Pettis, if they're, they're, they, they didn't like what they saw last year and want to get rid of them, maybe Jennings will have a chance there or they want to go to a big slot and replace a guy like, you know, Kendrick Bourne down the line. Matt, absolute rock star. Loving these every single week. That is one, two, three, four, five, six divisions down. Two more to go, the NFC East and the AFC East. You guys already know, if we're going to spend all that time leading up to the draft, we're going to go ahead and we're going to break every pick because that's what we do here on the College Draft Podcast. We can at least say a little something-something about every pick. Other than that, though, the keg is kicked. I am all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.